We are so glad that you're here today because today is what we have called Vision Sunday. It's a chance as a local church family to just be refreshed and reminded in who God is, who we are, and how we continue to say yes to the work of God and his kingdom here on earth. Part of our story is we are coming up on 25 years in the city of Pearland. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal, if you ask me. I've not been here for all 25, but some of you have. And I just want to remind us of sort of an anchoring thought for what God has been doing over the course of multiple decades now, and it's this. At the Vineyard, we want to be a community experiencing the transforming love of Jesus. A community. This is bigger than you. Hate to break it to you. I just burst your bubble. This is including you, but bigger than you. You are a part of a community. And that community finds its hope and life in Jesus, the work of Jesus, the transforming power of the Spirit, and we get to receive all that God wants to do. And as we live into that, what it means is we will join the mission of God in the cities we love. God is alive. God is at work. There is a kingdom that is advancing with light and love and hope, and that kingdom work you have been invited to join. I have been invited to join. We are joining the mission of God with great purpose and great hope. The way we summarize this as a local church is that we are committed to following Jesus together. Following Jesus together. And as we look at the scriptures and as we look at people who have journeyed in this faith story before us and people who are journeying right now, what we see is that God and the kingdom of God want to work in your life with God, in your life with others, and in this missional life that you have been called to express. There's a part for you to play that only you, uniquely you, can play. As we follow Jesus together, we're following Jesus into life with God, life with others, and life on mission. And as I've been praying for us and thinking about what God is up to in our church, there's this prayer that began to just sort of take up residence in my heart months ago. And I just began to pray that the hunger in our hearts for God would increase. That the hunger for God in our city would just begin to, like, increase. And all that's available to satisfy our souls and all that's available that cries out, to, to say, I'll comfort you, I'll be what you need. Just come over here and do this and do that and run here and run there and do this and do that. That through all the noise, we would begin to hear this invitation from God that our hunger for God would grow. And we would understand that it is only God who can satisfy our soul. And that in this moment and in this time, we would say yes to community in familiar and in fresh ways, that we would understand that what God is doing is a work of community, that what God is doing is a work that requires us to share our life with other people and receive from other people because what we need is a greater expression of what Jesus prays for the church. Unity, that we would understand we're being called into God's family and into God's story. And as I prayed this prayer, I just and remind that we are a communal people, that we find our truest identity in being God's sons and daughters. 
in being adopted into the family of God. That will be the truest thing about us in heaven. Is we'll look at one another and go, we're here. And we're his. And then we will just worship. And we, like we sang this morning, will say, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lord God Almighty. It won't even be about us at that point. So we get to live in that story now. And what I'm present to is like the beautiful things that God's doing in the kingdom are always timely. And I was uh, listening to a uh, vineyard pastor share a message, and he shared some research that sort of uh, kind of piqued my attention. And, and he grabbed research from some sociologists who were looking at what's happening around you. Do you ever pay attention to what's happening in the world around you? Yeah, it's great. Just warm and fuzzy feelings all the time. I can tell. You're like, yeah. There's this interesting study that was done by some really smart people, Robert D. Putnam and Shailen Romney Garrett. And what they acknowledge is there's this pattern in the pervasive kind of broader culture in America. And this pattern moves from unity to disunity, to unity. Or it moves from community to individualism and to community. Or it goes from individualism to community to individualism. Which one do you think we're in right now? Right now, in the trend that's been now over 100 years, it is the most individualistic, most disunity moment on that curve. Anybody surprised by that? So consider, could it be that what the world around us needs more than ever is a community of hope who can show the way yet again how to lay down our individualism and pick up the family of God and welcome people and go, there's a place for you. There's a people for you. There's a way for you through all of this. And God is at the center. And there's a resource and a source for you in all things that maybe right now, more than ever before, we can remember that this is a purpose-filled time for the church, not a fearful time for the church, but a purpose-filled time for the church, full of hope, that we can be a voice of hope, that we can be a people who proclaim hope because we see God writing a story that's inviting us into it. I think this is our time. Not our time to look out there and go, oh no, it's bad. It is so bad out there. But to go, hey, there is a goodness, and there is a mercy, and there is a love and a community that has something to say right now. Do you think this has ever happened in the history of the world? Everybody on three say yes. One, two, three. Let's go to Psalm 34. I think God's got some encouragement for us today. One of the things I'm aware of is, you know, vision is an interesting thing. It's necessary because it talks about without vision, there's, you know, we don't know where we're going. And, and, you know, there are these scriptures that talk about how important vision is. And we live in a time where 
vision and vision and vision and bigger and better and more. And yet today I'm reminded that the vision that God has continues to be consistent for us. There's a way of seeing the world that offers us an anchor. And I would encourage you as we read Psalm 34 out loud to just pay attention to where God captures your heart this morning. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your, your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles. The Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be There is so much in this passage. I was thinking about this last night. We could just preach a whole series on Psalm 34. We could just hang out here and just dig and dig and dig. But what I want to do is take this psalm and remind us and refresh in us the invitation to join God in what God is doing, to seek God in all things, to let the afflicted know there is good news, to let the brokenhearted no, there is comfort. That even in the midst of all the troubles, God is alive and at work. We are stepping into the story of God where God's kingdom is the center. The first thing I want to remind us of is this. I'm going to jump forward to we are a community who find our life in God. We find our life in God and worship God above all things. If we are going to do that for eternity, let's just prioritize it right now and get started. I love when we gather for worship. I am so grateful for what God does in all the expressions of worship. 
And I want to remind us the way forward, the future of our faith story is worship. Worship. And some of you might think, well, I can't sing. You can worship. Worship is when we give what we have as an offering, as a gift back to God. And you might go, well, I don't have much to offer. And you go, maybe that's the point. Give your weakness as worship. Give your discouragement as worship. Give your affliction back to God and go, hey, guess what? It's yours. All my troubles, the psalm says, you got it. The psalm anchors us in a posture of worship. That is who we are. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. Worship is when we live our lives understanding God is above us. And this moment, this breath, this thought, this meeting, this part of my story is to be given back to God. This is our story. This is why we exist as a community. We exist as a community to worship God above all things. Do you think this is challenging? My favorite, one of my favorite like text emojis is the big red 100. 100%. This is challenging. Everything else is asking for your worship. They ask for your time. They ask for your resources. They ask for your energy, your attention. All that you have to give, the world will take. It will take everything from you. The thing I love about Jesus is, is the conversation starts different. Jesus says, I will give you everything that I have and that I am. And when we receive life from God, we just give it back. You are worthy of it all. Humility is the way forward. Humility is the way forward. So I want to give you a practical application. Uh, when I was in college, somebody challenged me to only listen to worship music. To only listen to worship music. And this was their test. They were testing me. They were like, listen to only worship music all the time, whenever you listen to music, for a week and see if your mood is any different. Guess what? It was. So try it. Try putting on worship music. The world we live in is wild. You can find all sorts of music all the time just at your disposal. So 89.3, 103.7, I think it's 97.9, 92.1. Like there are about four different. There's gospel, there's praise, there's different Christian radio stations. In your car, only that. And you go, well, I don't listen to the radio, Kurt. I use my smartphone. I got you there. Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Music. Put on a worship playlist and let it saturate your soul and see what happens. Worship God above all things. This is who we are. This is what we will be about. We have been about. We are about. We will be about. Glorify the Lord with me. Magnify the Lord with me. This is good news. So we are not just a community of worship, but we are a community who experience the goodness of God together. The goodness of God together. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack something? Nothing. Lack nothing. 
This is why we have to do this in community, because I'm going to be real honest. I can see my life through a lens of lack. And in a conversation I already had this morning, I was reminded by a friend, God's got this. God has what you need. God has what we need. And so when I'm in a position of lack and concern and faithless, guess what the community can do around me? They can remind me to taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That is not far off. That is close. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We need to be a community who experience the goodness of God together. For me, this is about uh, how we experience faith-filled friendships. Here's what I mean. I don't think it's kind of us to have friendships with people outside of our faith community and not share our faith story with them. I'm not asking us to have faith-forced friendships, like where we're shoving it down their throat and we're weaponizing it. I'm saying if God is changing your life and giving you life and you lack nothing, could it be that's the best gift we could give one another in our church family and give us, give away of our life to the people around us? See, life with others takes on a whole new purpose when our life with God comes with us into our life with others. Taste and see that the Lord is good. There is plenty of things that the world fears. We are called to fear only one thing, and that's the Lord. It is safety, it is security, and then it gives us a way of walking in community. Here's what I mean. You've already got one practical application. How many of you are going to listen to worship music for the next week? Everyone, except those who are like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do it anyway, just to prove you can't tell me what to do, but I can do it. Here's the practical application of this life with others. If we're going to be a community, the scriptures are full of together and us and we come children. Find your place in God's family. So let me give us a real practical thing here. We need to notice and welcome. Here, when we gather as a local church, we need to increase our capacity to notice and welcome. Here's why I say this. Last year, we had over 250 guests walk through the doors to worship with us the first time. That's a lot of courage. And that's a lot of people we don't know yet. It's a really scary thing to walk into a church. When I was 18, I walked into a church for the first time by myself. It's the worst. I'd been in church my whole life. Grew up in a pastor's family. I went to church by myself for the first time. It's not great. It changes when you get a warm welcome. It changes when you realize somebody noticed that you were there and cares. And I'm just going to be real flat. Turns out if you're a professional Christian who's supposed to be there, it's like, yeah, you were supposed to say hi to me. It's your job. But when we are filled with the love of God and we welcome people with the love of God, it changes people's lives. Let's have vision for the people we don't yet know. And not because you have to be friends with everybody, but because you can be a bridge builder. You can be a doorway in. You can be a connector to say, oh, you need to meet so-and-so. 
Oh, you need to come walk over to the kids area. It's great. Go to the student area. Hey, did you know we've got small groups? Do you know that we are passionate about being a community, experiencing the transforming love of Jesus? This is where we as a local church are empowered into the story of God right here, right now, to notice and love. And this matters because the work of God is reaching for those who are hurting and those who are on the fringes and those who are coming in looking for hope because they don't have it. We can be that. We can notice and welcome. And when you're not here, let me give you two words to anchor how we extend community beyond this place. Just listen. Just listen for pain. If you want to be a good friend to the people around you, listen for the pain of their lives and then tell them that you care. And as we listen to people's stories, maybe it's not pain. Maybe you can listen for celebration, how great their life is. Pray, prayer to them. Pray for Uh-oh. You can listen and pray. You can pray. God help. God come. God care. God move. Short prayers are powerful prayers. Jesus prayed them all throughout the, the New Testament. Just check it out. Jesus prayed prayers like, get up. See. You can pray prayers like that because the kingdom of God is alive and at work, a community experiencing the goodness of God together. And we want to be a community who follow God in all his ways. And this is where it gets real challenging, actually. We want to follow God in all the ways that we're okay with, in all the ways that we're comfortable with. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can filter which ways. I'm like, ah, yeah, I mean, you weren't really serious about that one. Oh, no? Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And if you want to be challenged by that, apply that scripture in your life only to your enemies. That's the way of Jesus. That's the way of Jesus, that we would be a community that look different, that live different, that move different, that we would actually take God serious in all things, that those who fear the Lord lack nothing, which means I no longer have to live afraid. Will I have enough and can I do enough? But where God is meeting us in our story, we can follow God in all ways, which is the mission of God to transform everything inside of me. This poor man cried. This poor man was saved. This poor man needed redemption. Glorify the Lord with me. Now it goes into worship. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It's community. And it's an inviting us into the story of God that is missional, which is turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. There is no condemnation in the kingdom of God. Let that just sit for a second. You're going, is that true? Like, what about all the 
sin and brokenness. Jesus on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him, that through the cross and through the empty tomb and through forgiveness, the world might be saved. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. This is where the love of God is greater than fear. And the enemy would love to sow pervasive narratives and stories of fear wherever the enemy can. The church is not off limits to spiritual warfare. The church is not off limits to the lies and the schemes of the enemy. And we have to turn from evil and do good. We have to seek peace and pursue it. This is an active move of our lives to be a community who will follow God in all of our ways. I want to give us two practical applications here. Think about your life this next week. Where are you going and where will you be? Because I know you won't be here, but unless you come to a small group, maybe one more hour. There's going to be more hours out of this place than in this place. So where are you going to go? Just sort of work your calendar, work your mind. Now think about all the people that you're going to be around. People you want to be around and maybe people you don't. People you chose to be around and people who just showed up and got in your way at the grocery store. What if we believed God was as interested in working there as God is working here? And we just begin to invite God to come in those places as much as we invite God to come in this place. Work, kids, activities, sports, tutoring, school, family gatherings. Invite God to come. Do good and seek peace. What might that mean? And finally, I think this scripture invites us to be reminded that in all things, if I'm following God in all ways, I begin to go, God, here are the ways I'm not following you. What do you want to say? How do you want to grow me in life with you? How do you want to grow me in life with others? How do you want to grow me in this story that you're writing that you've said I can be a part of? Grow me in the generosity of my heart that God has enough for my life. And God has enough in me for the sake of other people. How do we grow in generosity? The next stretch of weeks, we're going to be turning our attention to, to hunger for God. To be hungry for God. And we've created a Lent prayer guide for you. Because we want you to grow. Maybe you're on the front edge of your faith story and you've never experienced baptism. Baptism is a great next step. Communion is a great next step. Worship is a great next step. But you can download this as a prayer guide for these next weeks and go, God, I want to follow you in all your ways and I'm not sure what to do. We've given you some prayers you can pray. And it's only one page, one prayer per week, starting a week from now. So you can gear up for it. You can plan. You can make space. You can also just go to pearlandvineyard.org forward slash Lent, L-E-N-T, and you will get access to this prayer guide. The only way our vision of a life with God works is for us to anchor our lives to God. We need to hear from God, and we need to let God lead us and guide us by the Spirit for this incredible journey we are on. 
We are committed to being hungry for God, life with God. I want to be really clear. We've got vision for the next generation. How many of you know someone who is 18 years of age or younger? Yeah, they need, they need us. They need us. I want to be really clear. How many of you have heard we're on the verge of losing a generation? Yeah, that's a lie. I should be, I'm going to just say it super flat. That was, that was bold of me, right? The scriptures say that the kingdom of God is from generation to generation. There has never been a generation that has been outside of God's reach and grasp. And that's true of this generation. God is doing amazing things in this generation right now. And so I've got two practical calls for us as a church. We no longer need student ministry and kids ministry to feel like they're short on volunteers. They should be the most resourced teams in our church family. And the only way that's possible is we say yes together as a family. I'll give student ministry one Sunday a month, one small group a month. I'll give kids ministry one Sunday a month or two Sundays a month. We have to make more space in our life for this sort of vision to become real, not less. And you might go, but I'm with my kid all week long. Great. Go be with somebody else's kid. Or go get practice on how to love teenagers before your kids are teenagers. They're awesome. If you need more joy in your life, go hang out with kids. You will laugh. You will smile. You will understand something about faith. If you're trying to grow in your faith, go hang out with kids. It is the next generation because we are a family. And I want to be really clear. If you are older than 18, this is your moment. This is your time. Find a mentor who's older than you and keep receiving. Find someone you can mentor who's younger than you. The multi-generational family of God is how the family of God made it through all the chaos in all the story of the scriptures. Because God is alive and at work and doing wonderful things. We want to resource our kids' volunteer teams and our student volunteer teams like never before. And we've got vision for some more space. There's a picture of our student facility expansion, 2,400 square feet. Last fall, you gave generously, and we received almost a quarter of a million dollars. We think 500,000 more dollars, and we are in this thing pretty close to debt-free. There are families who have already charged forward and given extravagantly over and above, and we're going to, over the next months, invite our church family to say yes to this story that God's writing. And it's amazing. And it's right here. Same parking lot you're used to going into. Just It's actually right there. Right over there. And you're going to be hearing more about this in the coming weeks. Here's what I want to ask you to do for right now. Pray. We have a meeting tomorrow with an architect, a contractor, to kick off this journey of building a story that we can write together for the sake of the next generation and for the sake of God's mission in the cities we love. You might go, well, man, half a million dollars, that's a lot of money. Yep. Turns out in the kingdom of God, there's resources sufficient for all the stories God's writing. So I want to go to this next slide. This is stewardship and generosity. As I shared, this um, here at the Vineyard, we have uh, official church membership. This is our family meeting for the year. And we just want to let everybody in on the details of our church finances. 
So I'm going to try to do this thoughtfully and with clarity. We have an amazing uh, treasurer, and we have a financial advisory team. We have an external third-party accountant who uh, keeps track of all of our books and reconciles all financials every single month. And in that effort, we are trying to do this with integrity. Let's go to the next slide. Here is our 2023 actual expenses. Actual expenses. 403000 to staff, ministry, and missions. And the reason we put those categories together is we actually are in a position with our staffing that all staff are directly impacting ministries. And so most of their job description is ministry-oriented, ministry-driven, people-focused. So $403,000 of our budget was staff, ministry, and missions. We, uh, we actually are in this facility, and we carry a mortgage on it, and we spent $244,000 on our mortgage and all maintenance. Did you know buildings break? It's the worst. It is my least favorite line item in our entire budget is facility maintenance. It's like we already paid for that. I don't want to pay for that again. The pump was expensive the first time. It was expensive the second time, turns out. All right? Uh, and then administrative cost, 68. So we had a budget of $715,000. I mean, and this is all because of your generosity. Every dollar we steward, you sacrificed. You gave. You trusted the Lord in a, in, in a step of faith. And we just want to say thank you. The next one is what we're budgeting for 2024. We are budgeting about the same, 725. We are trying to live within the means that we saw this past year and this coming year. And I want to show you the next slide as to why. Here's our income. 2023 actual income, $758,000 given extravagantly by our church family. This is where you can cheer. That's a, this is wild. This is so amazing that you would give and that you would say yes and you would go without. You could go with more things if you gave less. Did you know that? And yet when we're beginning to walk with God in the story of God, we remember that those who fear the Lord lack nothing. It is the way of God's kingdom. We had $249,000 given over and above that to our building fund. We have some rental income. Uh, another church plant meets in this building, and they participate in covering some of the expenses while they're here. We cleared over a million dollars in generosity last year. It's amazing. I'm so grateful. While we would love to do that again, we're not budgeting for that to happen again. So I just want to be really clear. 2024 income we are estimating actually a little less to come in. And we're building a budget that less might come in. Now here's what, I just want to talk real plainly. This is family business, and I'm just gonna, you're going to hear my heart of how we talk about this. If a family who, I'm going to use round numbers because it's easier. If a family who makes $60,000 a year grows into a family who tithes off that. A tithe is one-tenth. It's saying, God, I want to give a, a very intentional, specific part of our budget back to you and to the local church. That would be giving $500 a month. Right now, just imagine all that you could do with $500 a month. Some of you are like, I could go to the grocery store once. This is how real it is. I'm just being honest. But if, if a family who makes $60,000 a year ties on that, that means they're giving $500 a month. They're giving $6,000 for the year. If 10 new families grow into that story, in addition to what's here, 
you've increased our budget by almost 10%. Just 10 families move the needle in a pretty substantial way. If we don't get to debt-free on the new student building, those 10 families maybe fund the mortgage and the associated cost with opening a new building. 10 families. Now let me just cast some better vision for you. What if we had a million dollars come in and we only budgeted to spend 800,000 on ourselves here at the local church and in our mission partnerships that we already have? What could we do with an extra $200,000? Dream? Maybe meet the needs of our church family who are not part of the Vineyard Church family, but they're a part of the family of God? Because a $10,000 check to a church plant changes things. A $50,000 check to another church changes things. To a local ministry, foster and adoption agencies, whatever it might be. What if we begin to have the vision of generosity that as our church grows in generosity, our budget plan is to grow in generosity too? That we recognize the sacrifice you're making and we want to budget with our, our financial team in a way that says more margin means more goes away. More margin means we can respond to needs in real time that we couldn't have planned for as a line item, but we could plan for in the margin of our story, saying God is doing great things here, but we are a part of a story that is so much bigger. We want to be a joining God in his mission around us and in relationships with other churches and other ministries because we can't do it all for the kingdom, but we can walk in partnership and in collaboration and in generosity with a God who is pursuing everybody around us. I am thankful for you. I'm thankful for your generosity. Your giving impact is real, it is noticeable, and it matters. And I just want to take this moment to say thank you. Let's walk in it. Let's grow in it this year. And let's let God speak to us so that we can be a community who follow God in all of his ways. I don't want you to give because I said so. I want you to give because the God who created the universe is walking with you and talking to you and leading you and guiding you in this story. Because those who fear the Lord lack, not those who fear Kurt, those who fear the Lord lack nothing. We have a handout with more QR codes than you'll know what to do with. Because we want to make as much information available to you as possible. We want you to use that. Take advantage of it. If you don't have a smartphone that can scan QR codes, stop by our new here banner. We have an iPad out there. We'll help you get access to the information. We would love to be able to do that. If you have a smartphone and you're willing to download an app, we have, an, we have a free app called the Church Center app. It gives you information about events, connect card, prayer requests, small groups, how to give, all those sorts of things. It's a one-stop shop for most access to everything you would need here at the church. Consider what your next step is. Our next step is to cultivate a community that is focused on life with God, life with others, and life on mission. I want us collectively to see that God is the only one who can satisfy what we actually need. That we would be hungry for God. We would come in just longing for God's presence. That we would give what God's given us away to people around us, especially the next generation. 
and we would grow as a generous people. Because as we step into a generous story with a generous God, those are always the coolest stories to tell. Not like, I'm so rich it was easy. I had all the resources, I did it all. We actually kind of turn our nose up to those stories. But when we hear the stories of what God did, but God, only God, look at what God did. And God moves through really wealthy people, and God's heart is towards those on the fringe who are poor and brokenhearted and everything in between. That is who we are. Let's stand. The prayer that Jesus taught us to pray is, Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Let your kingdom come. Let what is real and full in heaven come more here on earth. This is our vision. Our vision is to join that story that God has been writing since creation, revealed in Jesus, that we would be a people who say, let your kingdom come. Yes, there are troubles, but you save us from them all. Yes, there are hardships, and yes, there are afflicted, and yes, there are places we need your salvation. And so we cry out and we say, let your kingdom come. And that's how we're going to close today. If you need prayer for anything, we'll have prayer ministry teams available to pray for you. If you feel brokenhearted, if you feel afflicted, if you feel concerned, if you are unsure of the next step to take, come and let God meet you and encourage you on this journey among community. And may we all receive the invitation to say, God, let your kingdom come. And so today, God, we just look back to you again. We say yes to the story you're writing, and we recognize we need you. We want the hunger of our lives to to really increase for what it is that only you can do. And we recognize that community is the thing that we need. Community is your heart as you display that in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would show us the way forward, that we would worship you, that we would look to share in the goodness of God with one another. And we would be willing to share the fruit of our lives with the people around us that we would join you in what you're doing in the earth. So I bless all that you've been doing over these 25 years. Call us into the next 25. We love you, Jesus. Fill us with your Holy Spirit once again. We pray these things in your name. Amen.